So before we begin with Perik Hamishi, chapter 5, which is we're holding the Shara Bitochen, um, we just went through the Yom Tov of Pesach, and I wanted to quickly touch on a couple of beautiful Bitochen ideas that um, really Pesach underscores. We didn't get to have that class before Pesach. Um, just a few quick ideas that will tie in very much to what we're learning here about Bitochen. So the first idea, Pesach begins, of course, uh, the first night of the Seder, and we have the mitzvah of Bechol Der Vader, in every generation remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and not just remembering it, but actually, as we say in the Haggadah, to feel as if today we're going out of Mitzrayim. And to recognize that if we wouldn't have gone out of Mitzrayim that first time with Pari, uh, from Pari, so as the Haggadah says, we would still be enslaved to Pari and Mitzrayim. Hari Anachnu, Banenu, Banenu, Meshubadim, the Pari of Mitzrayim, we would, we would still be somehow in part of the servitude of Mitzrayim if we wouldn't have gone out then. And the obvious question is, why is that? I mean, in a couple of thousand years, I'm sure things may have happened or would have happened. Hard to believe that we'd be in the same place a few thousand years later. And what is this emphasis in Agada that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is something that's ongoing? And there is an idea that the Maral of Prague writes, and it's brought in Hasidus a number of times, and he says that leaving Mitzrayim wasn't just about becoming from slaves or servants to free people at that time. But he says rather that it was at that time that Hashem made us free people forever. That no matter where we'll be and no matter under who we'll be, no matter what situation we'll be, our spirit will be free. He, he changed us as people from slave, a slave nation, a slave mentality to people who are free and not bound to any type of uh, slavery, even in Golos, even when we're in exile. And as we know, countless stories of, of Yidin in the worst of times, in the Holocaust and other times, that though they were suppressed and though they were, they were broken and beaten and killed, nevertheless, they were able to maintain that freedom, that, re- that uh, feeling and recognition of B'nai Chirin. And Amaral says that's what it means in Agada when it says that at, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is forever. Forever we were taken out of being slaves. And as it's explained, that that's really the Indian of that a Yid recognizes wherever he is in the world that nothing really is controls us, only Hashem Himself. And that's really what we've been learning this entire time of Bitochen. That although we might be in a situation where there's A and there's B and there's C and we seem to be beholden to different things and different things seem to have a hold over us, Bitochen, the Beteach Bahashem, as we've been learning, is someone who recognizes that he is only connected to Hashem. Hashem is the only one who's going to decide where he'll be. And therefore, he's ultimately free of any external type of bondage. Uh, the Friedrich Rebbe famously, when, when he was arrested in uh, Russia in 1927, and then he was ultimately sentenced to death, and then that death sentence was commuted um, for a 10-year prison sentence or an exile, or a three-year exile. So, the Friedrich was then being taken away to exile, and he was on the train station in Moscow, and he's surrounded by Chassidim, who never knew, if, didn't know if they would see him again. And he said a famous short talk, and he's standing surrounded by his Russian captors. The soldiers are taking him into exile, taking him away. And his talk was, he says, that we should know that we're not in Golos. He says, only our bodies are in Golos, our spirit, our neshama is never in Golos. Our spirit, our neshama, no one is over us, no one can tell us what to do when it comes to anything in Torah, mitzvahs. Because a yid is directly connected only to Hashem. And when a yid has that feeling, so then even when they are in Golos, even when we are in Golos, we know that we're not here to stay. 
And we say that right at the beginning of the Seder. Right at the beginning of the Seder, we say, even though Hashat even though now we're here, we're confident the next year we won't be here anymore. We'll be free people. Um, now we're here, the next year we'll be in Eretz Yisrael. Because we have the confidence that really, although we're here, it's only temporary. Because really, really we're not under, we're not beholden to anything. We're B'nai Chayrin. We're connected directly to Hashem Himself, and therefore nothing else really has a hold over us. That's one idea from the beginning of Pesach. And one more idea from the Shalom. The great Shalom Kodesh called Rishai Horowitz, Rishai Levi Horowitz. A beautiful idea about the last days of Pesach, before we get in uh, further in Shara B'Tachim. He talks there about Kriyas Yamsuf. Of course, the seventh day of Pesach is Kriyas Yamsuf. And there is a famous medrash about Kriyas Yamsuf. Which is that the Malachim? I'm sorry, a couple of people are waiting here. Um, there is a famous medrash about Kriyas Yamsuf, which says that the Malachim wanted to say Shira. They wanted to sing Shira songs of praise to Hashem when Hashem splits the sea for Klal Yisrael. And Hashem says, "My say Yodai Toivim Biyam Vaatem Oimrim Shira," like the the work of my hands. The Egyptians are drowning in the sea. And you want to say Shira? And therefore, the Malachim don't say Shira. That's the Medrash. Now, this is a Medrash that's very difficult to understand. Um, for, for a number of reasons. The Shalom mentions, I'll, I'll just say two of them. He says, first of all, Hashem seems to be upset with the Malachim for saying Shira, because the Egyptians are drowning. The Jewish people said Shira. We said Az Yashir. And not just we said it as part of the Torah, and that's forever, every day we say the Az Yashir. So we do say Shira. So why couldn't the Malachim say Shira? That's one question of the Shalom. And then the Shalom says, what does it mean? Hashem says that the, the work of my hands are, 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 are drowning in the sea, you're not saying Shira. There's a Pasuk that says, Ba'avoid Rishoim Rina, which means that we sing songs of thanks to Hashem when Rishoim are destroyed. And we do that constantly. We do that on Hanukkah, we do that on Purim, we do, we do that on Pesach. What does it mean that suddenly Hashem is saying, being that the, the work of my hands is being destroyed and you're saying Shira, there's something missing here, the Shalah asks. And the Shalah gives a very magnificent answer by prefacing one more question. The Gemara says about the king Chizkiah, one of the great, great kings of Klal Yisro, a king we've learned about together here, um, says about Chizkiah, Chizkiah was such a tremendous tzaddik that Hashem wanted to actually make Chizkiah Mashiach. Why didn't he? Says the Gemara. But because Shaloi Omar Shira, Chizkiah didn't sing songs of praise and songs of thanks to Hashem. And therefore Hashem didn't make Chizkiah Mashiach. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about the, the famous miracle that happened on the first night of Pesach when Chizkiah is in Yerushalayim and he's surrounded by the uh, massive uh, forces of Sancheirev, Sancheirev, uh, the king of Assyria, of Ashur, who wants to destroy Yerushalayim. And on that night, a Malach came and created this tremendous plague and 186,000 or 7,000 soldiers of Sancheirev died on that night. And Claudius was miraculously saved. So the Gemara indicates that the Yechizkiah was on such a madrig, at such a level, he could have been Mashiach, he should have been Mashiach. But because, because he didn't sing the songs of praise and thanks to Hashem, therefore he was punished and he couldn't be Mashiach. But the Shalah asks, but it's not true, he did sing Shira. 
In the Navi, there's a whole parak where Chizkia sings a, a song of thanks to Hashem for that nis. So what does the Gemara mean when it says that Hashem didn't make Chizkia Mashiach because he didn't sing Shira, if he did? That's the third question of the Shalom. Let me recap quickly. I know I'm saying a lot of here outside. Number one, the first question was, what does it mean that the Malachim are told not to say Shira by Kriyas Yamsuf? Because the Egyptians are drowning, the Jews did say Shira. They said the Az Yashir. So Shira seems to be apropos, appropriate. Number two, what does it mean you can't say Shira when Rishayim are drowning? If Rishayim are drowning, it's a time to thank Hashem. And number three, what's the story with Bihishakadish Barhu that Hashem, um, that Chizkiyo is criticized for not saying Shira for the nays that happened if he did? And the Shalom gives the following answer. He says, there's one nuance we're missing here. There is saying Shira after one sees salvation. After one sees Hashem's nace. That, says the Shalah, that's easy. Everyone, once they've seen and experienced the nace, and once they've seen and experienced the Yeshua, or the Refua, or whatever nace we're waiting for, then everyone automatically says Shira. The test of Bitochen is that a person should be able to say Shira before they see the nace. That one's emuna and one's bitachin is strong enough that even when it's still difficult and even when it's, it's unclear how the story will finish, already a person has that sense of serenity and that sense of confidence and the sense of trust and faith in Hashem that already they're willing to, to say shira. And there's, there's countless stories where Rabbeim or Tzadikim advised people who were in the middle of a state of Atzara to already, to already um, proclaim their thanks for Hashem, to give a Kiddush, to make a Fabring, and to make a Suda Seidah, even before the Nase happens. And in that way, expressing their Bitochen. Says the Shalah that that's the answer to all these questions. When the Malachim come and they say, do you want to say Shira? Look, the Egyptians are drowning. Hashem says, now that they're drowning, you're saying Shira? It, was, it took till now? Where was your belief in me beforehand? Why are you waiting until they're actually drowning in the sea to say Shira? Says the Shalah. That's why the Yisrael did say Shira. Hashem told Malachim, Kal Yisrael is a fledgling nation. They're just coming out of Mitzrayim. They don't know yet the truth of Emunah, the truth of Bitochen. But from the angels I expect more, says Hashem. Why didn't you wait until now to say Shira? And that answers the question that of course we say Shira when Rishonim are destroyed. But Hashem's, Hashem's uh, critique was, why did you wait until after the story? Only then were you confident enough to say Shira. And the same is with Chizkiyo, the Shalah says. The Gemara says he's critiqued for not saying Shira because, because um, he, he, he didn't say Shira, but he did, says the Shalah. But he says Shira afterward. After the, um, the plague and after the uh, Sancheir and his armies were killed, that's when he shed Shira. A person of that stature, a person that it was expected of him that his Shira shouldn't be dependent on seeing the fullness of the salvation as well. And that's a, uh, a, obviously a very powerful Bitochen message from the end of Pesach from the Shalom. But really the, the entire Pesach is all about Chirus, is all about freedom, is all about Bitochen and Hashem that Hashem took us out of the first Mitzrayim, Hashem will take us out of the ultimate Golos, and even between, in our personal Goloses, and our personal travails and difficulties, that there are so many, that Hashem will, Mitzvah Hashem, shower everyone with bracha, and that's something we have to have bitachen in, even before we see the Gula, before we see the Yeshua, and all the different Yeshuas that we wait for, with the knowledge that, that nothing happens without Hashem's will, and Hashem ultimately will show us, and Mitzvah Hashem quickly show us, Yeshuas in ourselves, in our own lives, 
uh, personally and in all of us collectively with the Gula Shlema, as was Hashem Bekarav Mamash. So that's just a couple of ideas, Pesach, that I wanted to share with you before we begin. Um, having said that, we're holding by Perik Chamishi, the fifth chapter, of Shar Habitah. And in, um, in the previous uh, in the chapters in the Prakim that led up to this, we read about a lot of the ideas of Bitochen and the, I think we have 10 classes that we already had, um, which I'm not going to review now, obviously. But Peri Chavishi is almost a little bit of a summary. And he, he um, breaks it up, he says, I want to talk about seven differences, and those who are with us over here throughout the Shara Bitochen recognize his, the method of breaking things down in numbers and very, very uh, orderly and methodically. So he says, he says in this chapter he wants to give us seven practical differences between the boteach b'Hashem lezulaso to one who's not boteach. When it comes to he says just basic business, when it comes to the basic um, making a parnasa and, and, and working and so on and so forth, he says what are the hefresh the difference? And he says b'shiva in yonim seven differences that we'll be able to see, and it's really based on everything we've learned until this point, but seven practical differences. Um, between the Baal Bitochon versus the one who's lacking in their Bitochon, in their own, um, again, parnasa, basic day-to-day parnasa and going through life. And he says the following. Number one, he says, a Baal Bitochon, someone who's really thinks about it and has, and has brought it to heart that everything comes from Hashem. And that whatever, you know, whatever efforts we put in, we talk to, he calls them the Sibos, the, uh, the various um, efforts that we're supposed to put in in order to be matzliach, in order to be successful, in order to accomplish what we have to. But we know it's directly from Hashem. A person who's confident that whatever happens is directly from Hashem ultimately is always going to be happy with whatever result, com- whatever result comes. We know I put forth my best effort. I did what I have to do. Sometimes I'm more matzliach. Sometimes I'm less. Sometimes a venture is crowned with tremendous success. Sometimes it's crowned with less success, and sometimes there's a failure. But a Baal Bitochon is able to be happy with whatever outcome there is, because he ultimately knows exactly where it's coming from. And we have famously, he brings different psukim as he does. We'll mention one, he says, um, as Eov says, Hashem Nasan, Hashem Lakach, Yehi Shem Hashem Mevorach. Right? A person knows, sometimes Hashem gives me more, sometimes Hashem takes from me, ultimately, as long as it's clear in my eyes and my mind and heart that always, whatever happens, it's going to be directly from Hashem, one is able to be besimcha no matter which way it's going to go. Um, really, it's in, the, in the actual Shema we say, V'haftas Hashem, B'chol levavcha, B'chol nafshecha, B'chol me'odecha. So levavcha means with all your heart, nafshecha is all your soul. What does me'odecha mean? And there's more than one explanation, but one famous one from Rashi is B'chol mida umida shemodid. Whatever way Hashem will give me, whatever way Hashem is going to give me for today, I will accept that b'simcha. And that's what we say. As the Mishnah says, Chayiv Adam Levarich al that a person is obligated to make a bracha for the good and for the negative. Equally. What does equally mean? With the same simcha salev, with the same serenity, I know exactly where that came from, and therefore it is good for me, though one day I understand it more and one day I understand it less. So that's number one. Number one, he says, is that the Baal Bitochen is able to be besimcha with whatever outcome happens versus the one who's no boteach velokim. So he says, when things are wonderful, he's celebrating. It's wonderful. When things are terrible, he's terrible. He's, he's devastated because 
you know, one day was good, one day was bad. That is practical difference number one between the Baal Bitochan or not. The ability to be simcha with whatever happens. That's number one. Number two. Number two, he says, is before the outcome. And number one was after the outcome. When, you know, when I had the outcome, was it a good day or was it a bad day? And the Baal Bitochan is, is besimcha with the outcome. Number two is before the outcome. The Baal Bitochan is a happier person. The Baal Bitochan is a peaceful person, is a serene person. Because the Baal Bitochan knows I'm doing whatever I have to do and everything else is in Hashem's hands. So what's there to be, what's there to be, you know, gedaigit, what's there to worry about? Right, I've, I've mentioned here more than once, it's a, a, you know, a cute but a beautiful vart, that the word dago, which means worries, is the first four letters of the alabays minus the bays, minus bitachon. When I'm minus bitachon, when we don't have the bitachon, the faith of knowing where it comes from, that's where there's worries. And the Baal bitachon, says the Chavis Alavavis, is not a worrier. I'm in Hashem's hands, I'll do what I can, I'll do what I need to, and the rest has nothing to do with me. And he says, um, versus the one who's lacking bitachon, is never happy, because they're always worried. Um, if things are going well, because I want them to go even better. I know I, I'm doing well, but I could be doing even better. If things are going bad, it's, it's not as terrible, right? So he says, this is number two between the Balbitochon versus the Nab Balbitochon is the serenity and peacefulness before the outcome. That the Balbitochon is calm and serene. They did what they have, what they could, the rest is in Hashem's hand, versus the other one who's always concerned and always worried of what is to come. And that's number two. Okay, number three, says he. He says, number three is that the Balbitochon the one who's, who's brought the message of Bitochen to heart, though the Baal Bitochen knows that, and again, we've discussed it so many times in the past, we have to do our part, or we have to make those sibos, those causes, we have to go to work, we have to you know, go to the doctor, we have to go to the shantchen, we have to go to, to, the, to whatever it is, so we're making sibos, but we know that why are we making sibos? Because Hashem told us to. Right? The Siba, as we discussed so many times, is never the cause for my confidence. It's never the cause to which I look for that that's going to give me. Because I have a good job, I'm going to make a lot of money. Because I have a good doctor, I'm going to be healed. Because I have a good Shadchan, I'm going to find the Shidduch. Because I have a good uh, you know, uh, practice, so therefore I'm going to have the children. Right? Because it's a good school, so therefore I'm going to have Nachas. Right? The Baal Bitochen knows I, I, I'm required. Hashem wants me to make those kalim and those vessels. And I'm doing them because Hashem told me to. Because Hashem wants me to. They're not the source of my bracha. They're also not the source of my failure. Hashem is the source of everything. And I'm going to make my kalim. And therefore, what if the, the, the kalim that I made, the job that I took, the doctor that I took is not working out very well. It's not working out. So he says, okay, it doesn't bother me tremendously because it never was about that keli. That keli was never the source of where I was going to come from. And therefore, I'll continue making my keli. I'll make one keli, that keli doesn't work. I'll make another keli, I'll make a third keli. Those keli, those vessels, those sibos, those causes is not what it's about. And therefore, I don't go crazy about the causes if they do or don't work. If they do work, I don't laud them. They're not... 
My doctor and my job is not the source. I'm not bowing to them. I'm not thanking them. If they don't work out, that's fine too, because it was never about them. However, he says, to, 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 to contrast that, with the one who doesn't have the real bitachon, puts all their effort in those vessels. So if those vessels work for him, so they praise them, and they bow to them, and they, they become like, that doctor becomes like my, my whole salvation, that, that job becomes my whole, my whole uh, God, because that's where it's coming from. If it doesn't work for me, I throw it out. I get angry, I get upset, I get depressed because that whole, that whole Siba, that whole cause was wasted. It didn't make any sense. And that is the difference between the Baal Bitochon versus the not Baal Bitochon, number three. So very quickly, let's recap. We have so far three differences. Number one is after the outcome. After the outcome, the Baal Bitochon is always happy. Whatever the outcome was, I know it came directly from Hashem, it was directly for me, Gamzula Tova. Whatever happened. Number two was before the outcome. The worries until I get to the outcome. Whereas the Baal Bitochon is never really worried because the Baal Bitochon knows they have a job to do whatever they can and leave it in Hashem's hand. I'm in Hashem's hands. Those are the best hands. So the Baal Bitochon is not a worrier. The, the person who's not a Baal Bitochon is always a worrier. It should be better. It shouldn't be worse and so on. And number three is how we look at the vessels that we make, at the jobs that we have, and the doctors that we have, and all the various mediums and vessels that we make, from the Balbitachos perspective, I'm doing Hashem's will and creating a vessel. That's it. It's never more than that. I never get angry at it. I never get too um, over-impressed by it versus the one who's lacking that Bitachon. That is A, B, and C, Aleph, Beis, and Gimel of the differences between the Balbitachon to the one who is not. Number four. Number four. It says, Ebal Bitochon. When they did their job, they did their Ishtadwos, they made their keli, they made their vessel, and they were Matzliach, and they were successful. And they were very successful. Very successful. And they were successful way more than they even need. They became wealthy. What's the attitude? What's the approach? So, if one is a true Baal Bitochon, I know. So Hashem gave me a gift. So it's Hashem who gave me this wealth. So what am I going to use it for? For things that Hashem would want me to use them for. I'll use them to do mitzvahs more behidur. I'll use them to give more tzedakah. I'll use them to help out more. I'll use to beautify, um, uh, 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 beautify my mitzvahs, zekeli van veyu, beautify every part of my Yiddishkeit. Because I recognize that all of the wealth and all of the Hatzlacha is not that I was brilliant and my job was you know, unbelievable, but that Hashem wanted to shower me with this bracha. And therefore, I'm going to use it in the ways that Hashem would want me to. He brings the Pasuk that David HaMelech says, he says, and it's brought in Pirkei as well, Ki mimcha hakol David HaMelech says, I understand everything comes from you. So I'm taking it from you and giving it back to you. I'm giving it to you for your needs, for what, you, for what you're asking from me. That's how the Baal Bitochon deals with the gifts, the wealth that Hashem showers upon him. Versus the Eino Boteach Belokim, 
um, the one who's not really a Babatacha, and suddenly they did great, and suddenly they became wealthy, and suddenly everything worked out. Well, that's all my benefit. I do with it what I want. It has nothing to do with the, with the I don't have to use it for positive things, or for mitzvahs, or for another person, because after all, I'm the one who created all that wealth, so I get to decide what, you know, what, uh, what's most, what will uh, make me happiest. And ultimately, ultimately when a person uses the wealth that Hashem gave them, for their personal and for just um, for just materialistic things, he says ultimately Hashem will remove that bracha from him, so that in the long run he won't have it anymore either. Anyways, that's number four. So number four is the difference of how one deals with the wealth that they did receive. What what's their what's their perspective and where it came from, and therefore what to use it for and how to use it in the most appropriate way. That's number four. Just to cross-reference, really, if you think about it, number four was the opposite of number one. Because number one was when things don't go well. When things don't go well, the Baal Bitochon is okay. It, comes, it came from Hashem anyway. And the not Baal Bitochon is, is depressed. Number four is when things go very well. And again, the Baal Bitochon says, well, this came from Hashem. I'm going to use it for Hashem's ways, for Hashem's for Hashem wants for me, versus the one who's lacking that Bitochon. That's number four. Number five. Number five is what one decides to what one decides to make for their vessels. We, we, want, to, we want to create those vessels. We want to create those sibos, those causes, those ways for Hashem's bracha to flow. So the Baal Bitachon knows that the bracha is coming from Hashem, and I have a mitzvah to make a vessel. I'll never make a vessel that's gonna hurt. I'm never going to get involved in a type of work or in a type of uh, pursuit that's going to make that therefore I can't daven or therefore I won't have time to learn Torah or therefore I won't have time for my family because how could it be that my vessel that I have to create for Hashem's bracha should pull me, pull me away from Hashem? So if it's clear to one, if it's clear to one in their mind that all I'm doing is making a vessel for Hashem's bracha and I never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of it. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm creating something for Hashem's bracha. Then that vessel can never be something that goes against Hashem. Because how can I create something for Hashem's bracha that goes against them? So when one is in a business situation and the question is, should they cheat? Should they lie? Should they, should they do an Avera in order, to, in order to make money? Well, it depends. If one has true bitachan and recognizes that they're only creating vessels for Hashem, then that vessel can never be one that Hashem wouldn't approve of. It can never be one that will pull me away and make me less connected to Hashem if it's a vessel for Hashem. Versus the one who doesn't have their proper bitachan. The one who doesn't have the proper bitachon, the vessels, they're the source of my blessing. So sometimes there's conflict. Really, I should go daven. Really, I should go learn Torah. Really, I should be honest. But the vessel, my job, demands otherwise. And therefore, suddenly, those jobs and those vessels and those pursuits might be one might be ones that should be against what Hashem tells us and should be against my better judgment and definitely my spiritual judgment when we look at the vessel as an entity for itself. So therefore, that's number five. He says, number five is, what are our vessels going to look like? If, I'm, if one is a Baal Bitochon, their vessel is always going to be pure. 
and will never pull them for, down and never pull them away from Hashem. Versus the not Baal Bitochon, the one lacking in Bitochon, that the vessels take on a life for themselves and can be quite impure and can lead a person to negative places as well. That is number a difference number five that he says between the Baal Bitochon and the one who's lacking in their Bitochon. <clears throat> difference number six is a very beautiful di- difference. And he says, a Baal Bitochon is one who's able to be loved by everyone and who's able to love everyone. One is able to live a much better, happier social life. That there, one can be much more loving of others and much, one can engender, one can be much more loved by others when one has bitachon versus the one who doesn't have bitachon that's always jeopardizing their relationships. They're not able to love as well, as much, and they're not able to be loved as much. Why? What's the connection between bitachon and loving and being loved. And he says it in such a practical, beautiful way. He says the following. He says, first of all, a Baal never is looking to cheat someone else, to hurt someone else, or take something from someone else. Because the Baal knows whatever is coming to me will come to me. I don't have to take yours for me. I can't take yours for me. Whatever is for you is for you because Hashem takes care of you and Hashem takes care of me. So the Baal is never a threat to anyone else because the Baal eyes are never looking at anyone else to take what's theirs or to, or, to, or to desire what's theirs, to covet what's theirs. The Baal knows they have their own cheshbon with Hashem and Hashem will give them whatever they need. And therefore the Baal is loved. Because you feel when a person is not jealous of you, a person is not ever looking to harm you, not looking to cheat you, not looking to take something from you, nobody has to feel on guard next to the Baal Bitochon because the Baal Bitochon's eyes are never at, 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 looking at anyone else to take anything from theirs. So the Baal Bitochon is a loved person because the Baal Bitochon is never looking to hurt anyone else. At the same time, the Baal is able to truly love everyone around them because the Baal is truly not jealous of them. The Baal is truly not threatened by them. Why are, don't we love people when those people are threatening to us, when those people in some way make us feel afraid, nervous, worried? But the one who has true Bitochon and Hashem and knows that my lot and my Hatzlacha and my Bracha is only dependent on Hashem. Nobody can take anything from me and I can't take anything from them. If truly in my mind and heart I know, I'll never be able to take anything from anyone else that doesn't belong to me and they will never be able to take anything that doesn't belong to them. Then I can truly look around and love everyone in the room. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not scared of them. I'm not pressured by them. I can be open to everyone. And everyone can look at me and love me because I don't pressure anyone. I don't threaten anyone either. So he says in this amazing way that bitachon is the key of truly loving relationships between people, mutually respecting relationships between people, and lack of fear of another and lack of being on guard, and lack of jealousy, and lack of coveting, because, again, the Baal knows what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, I'm not getting yours, you're not getting mine, there's nothing to worry about here. 
Contrast that with the one who doesn't have bitachon. The one who doesn't have bitachon says the chayvus halavavus. First of all, I'm always looking around and I'm thinking maybe there's something there that I can get, right? Because maybe if I'm if I outsmart that person, if I'm a better, if I'm quicker, if I'm a better business person, I'll get that. So I'm looking around at everyone and saying, where can I get something here? Yeah, that's not going to help people love me. At the same point. I'm looking at everyone else. I can't truly love them because I'm always thinking maybe they have something that I could have had. Maybe if I would, you know, go the other way, I'll be able to receive something from there. And therefore, it jeopardizes both the way people feel of me and the way that I feel about them because I don't have that clarity that what's mine is mine and what's that other person's is not, is not the other person's. So therefore, number six, he says, is true, totally on, on a social level. In the ability of being really b'shalom with all the people around me, and especially people who I work with and business people, and competition, right? It, it, competition is this biggest thing. People are, are upset that they're competitor and they're angry and they're getting if someone else took a deal that I should have had. All of that, says he, comes from a lack of clarity of bitachem that they can never take what belongs of me. I can never get what belongs to them. So what's the anger about? What's the reason for it? And therefore, there could be that open and good feeling between people. <clears throat> I've mentioned the number of times in our shir, the one who actually was the, um, was the inspiration behind our shir was my uncle, Shalomarach Rabashkin. And a beautiful story that he told us when he was still in jail, this is years ago, six, seven, eight years ago. It's a very beautiful story. Um, he said, I remember when he said it the first time, when I, when I visited him once there, and he, and he told it to me. He says that every day he would get a lot of mail. A lot of people would send him letters because Klal Yisrael is a beautiful people, and they knew of a person who was in such a tzara, and you'd get a tremendous amount of mail of people just who are just wanted to share, share with him, and people wanted to give him the retire and stories, whatever it was. He says he was in a big prison with many other prisoners, and most of them got no mail at all. So every day the guard would come into the, into the room and he was screaming, oh, okay, this letter is for Rabashkin, for Rabashkin. And then, you know, 10 out of whatever, 9 out of 10 were for him. So one of the other prisoners got very angry. He says, why is all the letters are for you? What kind of business is this? It's not right. It's not fear. So he said, he tried to explain to him, would you like me to give you some of them? I mean, they're written to me. You wouldn't understand them. Right? They have my name on it. They're written in Hebrew. It's not as if I give you some that will make you happier, right? And he said, he brought a beautiful idea. That that's really what jealousy is all about. When we're jealous of another person, we're only jealous because we don't realize that whatever a person has is directly for them from Hashem. So if that Hashem sent that person 10 letters, I would love to have two of them, but they're not, they don't have my name on it. And that's really what he's saying here, that when a person is, really understands and knows that whatever anyone has is because it was meant for them from Hashem. Whatever I have is meant for me from Hashem. There's never a place for jealousy of, I wish I had your thing. Your thing is not for me, can't be for me, wouldn't be good for me. And therefore there can be that true shalom and that true ava. Again, that the Baal Vitochan can really, really have that wonderful, loving feeling for everyone, and everyone can love them as well. That is difference number six that he gives us here. And finally, number seven. He says, the Baal Bitochum is able to live today and be happy today 
and not think about tomorrow and next year and next year and next year. The A person, let's start the other way. One of the most common problems of people is they're always afraid what's going to be tomorrow. What's going to be tomorrow? What's going to be in a year? What's going to be in 10 years? How good you know, insurance policies, life policies do I have for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? And people live lives of years and years of worry. That even if today seem, would seem to be good, but I can't really be peace. I can't be at peace with myself today because I don't know what's going to be tomorrow or next year. And basically we spend our entire life wasting the ability to enjoy and be happy because what's tomorrow and what's with next week, right? Um, the Baal Bitochon doesn't think much about tomorrow. In other words, they do what they have to. It's not, it's not about being irresponsible. But what I'm looking for is to do what I have to do in order to receive Hashem's brachas. And today I'm able to live with the moment and be truly happy and enjoy receiving the brachas of Hashem for me today. And what will be tomorrow? Hashem will be here tomorrow too. Hashem benched me today. Hashem gave me the ability to have what I need, whether it's health or whether it's whatever, all the different brachas that Hashem showers upon us, each and every one of us every day. I'm thankful and I'm appreciative and I'm able to enjoy what I have. And I'm not, my mind is not spinning, but even if today is good, who says tomorrow will be good? No, today is good, but what about tomorrow? And therefore I can't enjoy today either. I can't live with the time of today. And that's, uh, again, one of the ideas that's come up in the past also was when were we really, when were, when were we inundated with the message of Bitochon as a nation? The first 40 years in the Midbar, when every day Hashem gave us enough food for one day. Which means that every night when we went to sleep, we didn't know what's tomorrow. But for our 40 most formative years as a nation, Hashem taught, taught us, He says, you receive your bracha today. Live with it. Be happy with it. Enjoy it. Thank Hashem for it. And the same one who cared for you today will care for you tomorrow as well. And therefore he says that's the seventh the seventh um, difference between the Balbitochon and the not Balbitochon about one who's able to enjoy every day to its fullest versus the one who's always concerned about where the next day is going to take us. And that's how he finishes Perik Hamishi. Let me very quickly summarize the seven points that he made. Now all these seven points are based on ideas we learned earlier. But here is a summary of the practical benefits of being a daily, of being a, a daily Balbitochen. And he says the following. Um, very quickly to summarize, he says the first one is when things don't work out the way we wanted it, a Balbitochen is happy because Hashem gave it to me. It came directly from Hashem. Gam Zulotova, it comes from Hashem. It comes from so number one was the ability to be happy when we receive even what we didn't when we weren't when we were hoping not to. Number two, we talked about being a worrier. The Balbitachon does what they have to do and puts their bitachon on Hashem. They're not worried, they're serene, they're calm, they have a good day day after day, um, knowing that Hashem will take care of me. Number three, he says the Balbitachon never puts their trust in the vessel. And therefore, if the vessel does work, he doesn't go crazy about it. If it doesn't work, he doesn't go crazy about it. They continue doing the vessel because Hashem wants us to do so. It's never about the vessels. The, ne- the vessels never start um, controlling our lives. Number four, he talked about when we receive tremendous bracha from Hashem, when things go well, when suddenly we're wealthy, the Baal Bitochen recognizes it's a gift from Hashem. 
to use for what Hashem wants me to use it in proper, in holy and beautiful ways versus the one who doesn't have bitachon, obviously. Number five is that a Baal Bitochon will never create a vessel that will not be pure, that will not be connected to Hashem. They'll never take a job that is going to hurt me in my Torah, in my tefillah, in my ability to be a, a, um, an, an Erlachayid, a spiritual person, because vessels are only for Hashem. How could they drag me away from Him? That was number five. Number six, he talked about the ability of the Baal Bitochon to have true shalom with people around him, to be a lover of people and be loved by people because the real Baal Bitochon is never jealous, is never looking to receive something from someone else, knows that whatever they have is for them, whatever I, I have is, is for me. I'm not threatened. No one's going to get what's mine. I won't get what's theirs. They're able to live a life of shalom. And, and number seven was the Baal Bitochon is able to enjoy the here and now without being concerned and worried about what's going to be tomorrow, what's going to be next week, because today I'm, re, I'm recipient of Hashem's bracha, and with that I can be besimcha, not worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow Hashem will be there, and tomorrow Hashem will bench me as well. And that's how he finishes uh, Perik Hamishi, the fifth um, uh, Perik of, of Shara Bitochon, um, which leaves us with the two last ones, uh, not long ones, and even though it's a couple minutes early, I'm going to conclude here. And we'll continue um, with Perik Shishi, God willing, next week in Mirza Hashem. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome.